My name is Jim Fleming, and this is Our Sunday School. I'm coming to you from the Hickson campus of Stewart Heights Baptist Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And we'd love to have you come and visit us. But if you're not in the area, please go to OurSundaySchool.com to see all of the resources we saw in class. Good morning, everybody. All right. Well, welcome to Our Sunday School. If you've got your Bibles, open to Mark chapter 3. Mark chapter 3. Now, the handouts on the table today are a mix of extras left over from last week and new ones we printed for this week. So some of your handouts will have at the top the date of uh, July 21st, and some of them will have July 21st and uh, 28th, 2019. Uh, Exact same content, but uh, just want to let you know, in case you're wondering if you went into a time warp and we're a week behind, we're we're not a week behind, we're just trying to print more than we need to, so there's that. But all of these resources can be found at OurSundaySchool.com, uh, the link at the very bottom of the page. So I want to start this morning with the question that we ask each week in our Sunday School. Uh, what is God doing in you through His Word from the portion of Mark we've studied so far? So what is God doing in you through His Word from the portion of Mark we've studied so far? This is open book. Feel free to flip back through Mark 1, 2, and first half of 3. Albert? It opened up a good discussion between us about uh, blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. It did, yes. It did. Which is always an interesting topic. Yes. In a couple of weeks we'll get there, right? Yes. But it, you know, you, you illustrate a good point here. It's okay to think about things for a few weeks before we actually dig in and study them. Um, those, are, those are good and helpful things. That, that The Bible word for what uh, you're doing there is called meditation. I had a, uh, uh, a doctor's appointment on Thursday. My spinal surgeon, uh, the, praise the Lord, last spinal surgeon visit. I was released, so everything is good. We're all in good shape. And uh, the, uh, the lady who took my blood pressure, the blood pressure came back 120 over uh, 82. And she said, and this is in the middle of Gun Barrel Road, and the appointment was at 2 o'clock. And she said, oh, you must not have ran into any traffic. I said, no, just meditation helps quite a bit. She said, yeah, that breathing stuff is great. And I was like, no, it's not that. It's thinking about, no, I didn't go into all that. Um, But I really so wanted to, because it's not (gasps) calming. That is not what meditation is. Biblical meditation is thinking about Bible verses, thinking about what God's Word is, to think how through how we can go and live those things out. Um, So... I tricked you. And I'm not. Uh, they can, yes. But the, the biblical, I don't want to get a sidetracked. I want to come back to this question. But the biblical idea behind meditation is thinking about Bible verses. Um, and there, there ought to be some physiological impact on, that, on our bodies from this. Um, and when you pull out the Bible and just focus on the breathing, well, now we've, we've turned it into something totally different. So. But anyway, so what is God doing in you, transition point, uh, through his word from the portion of Mark we've studied so far? Yes, sir, Mr. Dave. Hey, hey, you're in. Good. Uh, Jesus worked in the IT department. 
And it's amazing that the God of the universe uh, wrote a book, and uh, we just don't do it. And uh, he still just makes things work out according to his sovereign will, right? Absolutely. We are absolutely no different than these idiots that we read about in the Bible. Right? right? But God yeah. Has eternal patience with us. He does. Excellent, excellent, excellent. All right, so uh, we are in Mark chapter 3. I think I told you this week we would start with verse 17. Um, So just a quick recap, Mark chapter 1, we're introduced to Jesus. Jesus is baptized. He is tempted in the wilderness. He begins his ministry. He calls the first few of the disciples. Uh, He heals and heals and heals and preaches and heals and heals, calls Levi, uh, 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 responds to the Pharisees in new and interesting ways uh, that they were not expecting, uh, uh, teaches and teaches and teaches. And then we come to verse uh, 13 where he is uh, calling his apostles, and we'll, we'll focus on that this week. Uh, but we're going to start with verse 1 of Mark chapter 3. I'll read all of Mark chapter 3. Uh, and so some of you may have picked up on the fact that why we read the entire chapter each week that we're in that chapter It is to help us meditate on these topics for several weeks before we get to them. Uh, I I fully understand and know that not everybody does the homework every single week. I get that. But this is doing some of it in class so that we get some repetition going. All right, so Mark chapter 3. Again, he entered uh, the synagogue, and a man was there with a withered hand. And they watched Jesus to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. And he said to the man with the withered hand, come here. And he said to them, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to kill? But they were silent. And he looked around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart, and said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored. And the Pharisees went out and immediately held counsel with the Herodians against him how to destroy him. And Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the sea, and a great crowd followed from Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem and Idumea and from around the Jordan and from around Tyre and Sidon. And when the great crowd heard all that he was doing, they came to him. And he told his disciples to have a boat ready for him because of the crowd, lest they crush him. For he had healed many, so that all who had diseases pressed around to touch him. And whenever the unclean spirits saw him, they fell down before him and cried out, You are the Son of God. And he strictly ordered them not to make him known. And he went up on the mountain and called to him those whom he desired, and they came to him. And he appointed twelve, whom he also named apostles, that they might be with him, and he might send them out to preach and have authority to cast out demons. He appointed the twelve, Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James, to whom he gave the name Boanerges, that is, sons of thunder, 
Andrew, and Philip, and Bartholomew, and Matthew, and Thomas, and James the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. Then he went home, and the crowd gathered again, so that they could not even eat. And when his family heard it, they went out to seize him, for they were saying, He is out of his mind. And the scribes who came down from Jerusalem were saying, He is possessed by Beelzebul, and by the prince of demons he casts out the demons. And he called them to him and said to them in parables, How can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand, but is coming to an end. But no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first bind the strong man. Then indeed he may plunder his house. Truly I say to you, all sins will be forgiven the children of man, and whatever blasphemies they utter. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin. For they were saying, he has an unclean spirit. And his mother and his brothers came, and standing outside, they sent to him and called him. And a crowd was sitting around him, and they said to him, Your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. And he answered them, Who are my mother and my brothers? And looking about at, the ha- at those who sat around him, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. <clears throat> so last week I ended uh, with uh, Simon Peter. Uh, we got through verse 16. And if you ever want an example of an odd verse division in the New Testament, we're going to list 12 things. And after the first item in the list, um, we jump to another verse. <laughs> it's, it's an odd way to structure things. But it keeps the verses from being spectacularly long. And very likely, every Awana child in America uh, is happy about that, even though they don't know it, that they should be. So we got through, uh, he appointed the 12, uh, Simon. So I'm going to ask you a question real quick. So everybody, and I, I shockingly rarely do this, but I want everybody to close their Bibles for just a second. This is a dangerous, if, you, if you're a teacher of the scripture, this is a dangerous approach. Does anybody know what I'm about to do? Can anybody name the 12 apostles? All 12. So I got Daniel Goble in the back. Anybody else? You think you can get through all 12? Sean's like a half heart, like, yeah, I think maybe. He's like, now he's 60% maybe. I don't know. So, Daniel, tell me why you can name all 12 apostles. You were taught a song. Excellent. 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 All right. So I need the singing Von Trapp family to join me on stage for just a second. So Tim and Myla, if y'all could come up. Um, if, y'all, if y'all don't know who Tim and Myla are, uh, they have 612 children and they have this choral group that is fantastic. I mean, it's just truly amazing, it, which is great, right? Now y'all can still sing though, right? <clears throat> well, then, then have a seat, Miss Mila. Tim, I know. Teach things. Come back up. Come here, Miss Mila. <laughs> come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Now you're in the shot. There you Are go. Are you going to sing right. with us? Uh, no, I'm not. 
No, I, I love my class, right? <laughs> I don't want to subject them to that. Um, I've asked Matt, Belos Matt Velosin to uh, come and stand in my stead. So Matt's going to come up and help too. Awesome. Um, so we're, we're going to learn a song today. Uh, and I don't, I don't remember the last time I taught a song in Sunday school. Uh, but before you guys, I'm going I'm to teach you guys the song real quick. So everybody knows Jesus loves me, right? Come stand right back here, Matt, for a second. So if you know Jesus loves me, you can sing this song. So this is uh, Jesus called them one by one. You can probably already hear it sing song in your head. Uh, Peter, Andrew, James, and John. Next came Philip, Thomas too, Matthew, and Bartholomew. Yes, Jesus called them. Yes, Jesus called them. Yes, Jesus called them. He called them one by one. And the other half, James, the one they called the less, Simon, also Thaddeus. Now, you, you are a brilliant writer when you can rhyme anything with Thaddeus, right? I mean, you, that's like next level, high quality rap stuff right there. So 12th apostle Judas made, Jesus was by him betrayed. Yes, Jesus called them in the rest of the chorus. So you think you got it? Are right, we sing this as a class. You ready? All right, so who wants to... There we go. Awesome. There you go. Excellent job. That recording will be available on iTunes later today for $1.99. Yes? No. <laughs> um, so, so when you come across a list in Scripture, it is okay to be creative in the memorization of said list. Uh, and this list is actually pretty significant because when you get to the end of the book, not Mark, but the end of the big book, um, these names have significance in another location. Uh, so it's a, it's a, it's a pretty uh, significant thing. Now, at number seven, if you flip over on the back of your handout on page 85, I gave you a number seven last week for a homework item. Does anybody remember what number seven was last week? It's to go... And to review this old series that we did several years ago, uh, 12 Apostolic Men, we did this. How many of you remember this series, 12 Apostolic Men, where we looked at the 12 apostles? Anybody remember this one? Yay! All right, two. Um, but we looked at several um, different uh, perspectives on the apostles. So we looked at who they were, how did they get uh, to Jesus, what were they like, what were they known for, uh, where did they go next, and then how they are remembered in... Uh, in modern uh, church history. Uh, and something that's interesting that you may or may not have seen before, but there's just a few lists in the New Testament of 
the 12 apostles. There's a list in Matthew 10. There's this list in Mark chapter 3. There's a list in Luke 6. And there's a list in Acts chapter 1. Now, Acts chapter 1 is missing one of the 12 apostles in the other three lists. Which one's missing in Acts chapter 1? Judas Iscariot, right? And don't just say Judas, because there was another guy named Judas, right? Um, there, were, there were two Judases that followed Jesus. Um, but the, uh, the, the lists are shockingly consistent if you, if you put them all side by side to each other. Uh, there's someone who is always listed first. Who is always listed first? Peter is always listed first, right? Uh, there's somebody who is always listed uh, fifth. Philip is always listed fifth. And then James of Alphaeus, uh, the son of Alphaeus, uh, is always listed ninth. And some of you are like, well, that's so. All right. Uh, if, you, if you study the apostles, they tend to be uh, grouped together when they show up. So Peter, uh, Andrew, James, and John show up uh, together. Uh, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, and Matthew tend to be clustered together. And then James, Simon, Judas, and Judas are generally uh, forgotten, uh, but they are always listed at the end. And the, the Scripture does not do things accidentally. The Holy Spirit does nothing accidentally in the, in the New Testament, or in the Old Testament. Um, everything is by design and by order. Um, and we think what's going on here is that Peter, obviously being listed first of all the twelve, um, was uh, more preeminent among the twelve than the others, uh, but that there were smaller subsets inside the apostolic group itself. So one of the things, I talked to you last week about my t-shirt. So I'm talking about my t-shirt again just a second. Uh, there's two things I like about this t-shirt. One is the circles, uh, because the circles represent uh, on the outside all the 12 apostles. And then there's a circle in the center, which they all orbit around. This is Jesus. But if you see all these lines, there's a lot of interactions between these individuals, a lot of interactions. So what I want to look at as we go through these, this list today in Mark chapter 3 is some of these interactions. Uh, I just want to talk about this for just a second. But I also want to make sure that we understand where the apostles are in their spiritual journey right now. Because some of us were taught, not directly, but almost accidentally, that the apostles were just kind of always Christian. Right? When they show up, they're already believers. They are not believers when they show up in Scripture. <laughs> they are pagans in need of a Savior. And uh, one of the beautiful things that Jesus does, if you look at uh, verse 13 in Mark chapter 3, when he went up on the mountain and called to him whom he desired, and they came to him. So uh, going back even further, and I didn't tell you to go back and look at this one, but does anybody remember the Ordo Salutis series, what was under the umbrella? Uh, we did this one back in 2013. Um, so... Uh, we talked about in 2013, and, and ordo is an order, uh, and uh, salutis is the uh, Latin term for salvation. And the idea here is that there are things that happen uh, relative to our salvation that are far more complex and long-lasting than just the moment of your conversion. The moment of your conversion, there's very specific things that happen theologically, but there were things happening well before that. And, and there are things that happen well after that. And when we talk about being saved, we might be talking about anything over here. We might be talking about anything here. We might be talking about here. Salvation has a very distinct past component, a very distinct 
conversion moment component and a very distinct forward-looking, always improving component. So what I want you to think about here is that where is verse 13? So he is calling them. So verse 13, very simply, this is the, uh, if you think about things that are happening before you repent and believe in the gospel, there is a calling that occurs, all right? And then at the moment of conversion, all these amazing, wonderful things happen. So there is repentance and faith, conversion, regeneration, justification, redemption, adoption, and reconciliation. It's like this, you just get waterboarded with God's grace and abundance and wonder, and it's fantastic. It's just beautiful. But we're not done there, right? Because we've still got a long way to go, and I know I'm standing in your shot, (laughs) and I'm doing it on purpose. Um, But we've still got a long way to go before we look anything like Jesus Christ. There's sanctification. We have to put the flesh to death. Uh, There's evidence that we're leaving behind. There's a perseverance that the Holy Spirit uh, ensures. There's eternal security. And then finally, 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 way some point in the future, right? There's glorification where we actually get new bodies and we look like Jesus Christ. And yay, no more sin. But I just want to take a second and make sure we all understand We have no evidence that the apostles are here yet. And the closest I would give you to evidence is in one of the other gospels when uh, one of the apostles reaches out to his brother and he says, hey, 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 we've found the Messiah. Come and see. Which is a fantastic statement. But I wouldn't hang my hat on that because that is knowledge. It is not necessarily a, def, a, a, a descriptor of an act of faith. This is an identifier. This is like, I know who Matt Velosin is. Great. I'm not trusting in Matt Velosin for my eternal security. <laughs> right? And Matt says, good, good call, right? Yeah, good call. Yeah. So one of the things I want us to do as we go through Mark is I want us to be looking for indicators of either do we see evidence of a converted life? And evidence of a converted life is super simple. It's super, super simple. It's the fruits of the Spirit. The fruit of a converted life is love, joy, peace, all the way through. Those are the evidences of a converted life. So I want us to look at those as we go through the Gospel of Mark. Um, And I think that there's probably some evidence that at the very, very end of John, they might be converted. But we know that they are by what point? Acts what? Acts what? One. Yes. Right? Holy Spirit comes upon them. Like everything radically shifts at that point. And some of you right now want to go, well, when did they get saved? I don't really know. The Bible doesn't give us just a super clear, explicit, bam, this is the moment that Peter was converted. Um, But what I don't want us to do is I don't want us to walk through... Uh, this particular series under the impression that everybody was already a believer and uh, because they very likely were not. So with that, let's look at some of these lines as we go through. So I'm on page uh, 83, at the bottom of page 83 of your handout. So all that was the introduction. Some of y'all are like, you are not getting through this handout. Ah, we'll get close. <laughs> Sorry. I think I've mentioned before I'm not worried about that. 
All right, so uh, at the end of verse 16, so we've talked about Simon, to whom he gave. We talked about last week this imposing of a name. Uh, he gave the name Peter. And then we get to James, the son of Zebedee. Have we seen James already in Mark? Have we seen James already in Mark? Yes, we've seen James already in Mark, right? Where did we find James? That's a good point for me to know. There we go. I can only lean so hard on that, uh, <laughs> that portion of the pulpit. Um, where did we find James? Where did we find James? He was fishing, right? He was fishing. Uh, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James. Where do we find John? Same place, right? To whom he gave the name. And this is one of those names where when you read the Bible to your children, you're like, uh, and just make up a pronunciation real quick, right? Uh, all right, so we're going to practice this one. So I want you to say what I say. Boa. Nergies. Boa Nergies. There you go. Now you know how to pronounce that word, all right? Boanerges. And what does it mean? Sons of thunder. It means commotion. Uh, sons of, like, there's, there's, uh, there's, uh, does anybody like thunder? Like thunder goes off and you're like, yeah, that's awesome. It was so peaceful and calming. It, was, it just relieved so much stress that I had in my life. Like that was just one, like right before I got my uh, blood pressure taken, I wished that thunder had just like shook the bit. That's, in the closet for about 10 hours and then that's a, come out eating food or anything. Yeah. Um, thunder does not generally calm us down, right? So when, when Jesus gives him the name, <laughs> sons of thunder, do you think this is a compliment? He does some things in the New Testament and you're like, that's, it's kind of rude periodically, right? Yeah, this, this is not a... Uh, a commendation of their calming influence on the universe. Uh, but the reality is, uh, he was going to need some people, and he knew this, who were not going to be scared of uh, tough situations, who were not going to run away uh, when things got rowdy, who were not going to uh, quit. Uh, and we have no evidence that John and James quit. Uh, Sons of thunder. Verse 18, Andrew uh, very possibly my favorite of the 12, um, hangs out in the background, uh, brings people to Jesus, just a, a, fantastic, uh, a fantastic person. And Philip, right? Um, I will tell you, so if you look at your, uh, your word Philip there on page 84, uh, it says that word occurs in 318, 617, and 827. The 617 and 827 are not this Philip. Philip was a very common name at this time. It was actually the Philip uh, from the handout that I gave you a couple of weeks ago uh, from the Herodians. Uh, so Philip was one of the guys that was related to uh, the Herods mentioned in the New Testament. Uh, so this is actually the only time that Philip the Apostle is mentioned in Mark. So think about that. You're one of the, one of the core group, and you get mentioned once in Mark's Gospel. So who is Mark's Gospel not about? It's not about Philip, okay? Right? Just make sure we get this, right? So, and Philip and uh, Bartholomew, right? 
And uh, where does Bartholomew occur in Mark's gospel? 318, right? And then Matthew. Now Matthew shows up actually in 318, but he also shows up somewhere else. We've actually already talked about Matthew. Because Matthew had a different name earlier in Mark's gospel. And his name was Levi. That's right. So Matthew uh, worked for who? The Roman government. All right, so we're going to talk about some of these lines here for just a second. Matthew worked for the Roman government, so don't forget that. And Thomas, right? And what, what, what's the adjective we usually describe Thomas as? Doubting. Yeah, and I hate that because Thomas is just honest. Thomas is like, I have a question. I, I would like a question answered. And if you go back, this is one of the things that I loved about that study that we did, the 12 apostolic men. Uh, if you go back and you look at the theology that Jesus taught as a result of Thomas's questions, it's wonderful. It's like, oh, it's so nice that we can understand this and can thank the Lord for his teaching in this space. So you've got Thomas and you've got James, the son of Alphaeus. And you're like, Alphaeus sounds like really hard to say. So elsewhere in the New Testament, we call him James the Less. So Tim... Do you remember when we had another Tim in the room? Yes. yes. And I called him Tim the Younger, and I, I'm sorry, called you Tim the, the Older. Yes. Um, it's actually a, a New Testament practice, right? There was actually a, a Pliny uh, the Elder and Pliny the Younger, uh, early church writers. And to, so as not to confuse these two, because the first James that was mentioned is a powerful leader in the New Testament. He has a commanding presence in the gospel, in the gospel, in the gospel of Acts, uh, in the book of Acts. He is, um, he, he is a towering figure uh, in Acts and leader of what church? Does anybody remember? Church at Jerusalem. I mean, this, is a, this is a big position. These are huge shoes that he filled. And the gospel writers want to make sure that we're not talking about this guy. So we call James the son of Alphaeus. Uh, and then Thaddeus. I, I went to school with a kid named Thaddeus. Uh, yeah, he had a sister's name Mariah, Monique, uh, and another one. I forget. Uh, and and they, were, they were different names. It was very, very different names. Uh, Thaddeus and Simon the Zealot. Now, do you see I have highlighted Zealot there? All right. So does anybody know what a Zealot was? Like, and you see, Zealot is capitalized. This is not just somebody who's just fervent about things. He's, he's not just running around like, I'm excited! Like, that's, that's not what we're talking about here. He has a very specific uh, political group that he has aligned himself with. And his political group, what, say it again? He's anti-Rome, right. Uh, if, if the Zealots were alive today, our government would brand them terrorists. We would call them terrorists. So think about who Jesus just pulled together. Who's Matthew work for? Rome. And who's Simon actively plotting acts of violence against? Rome. Welcome to your new team. <laughs> Some of you are like, I've been part of reorganizations at my company where it felt like that before, right? Yeah. What's their common thread? That's right. He did. So who did Jesus want? He wanted them by name. 
I don't want us to miss something here. Because Jesus has called us by name too. And it is beautiful. And I don't know what your work history or hopefully not terrorism background is. um, But Jesus has called you. And I look around the room this morning and I see folks that I have a lot in common with. And I see some folks that I have almost nothing in common with. Other than Jesus. And that is wonderful. That is beautiful. And that is what I don't want us to miss as we go through this list of apostles. And then at the very end, and he always shows up at the end of all these lists, is who? Judas Iscariot, right? Who what? Who betrayed him. Yeah. Now, we're going to look at, in a couple of weeks, some of the assignments that Jesus sent the apostles on. And he sent them out. And he told them to go, he gives them authority to go and uh, do something very, very specific. And we actually, we looked at it already in this text in Mark. Um, Verse 15. What does he he give them authority to do? Cast out demons. Now I want you to think about something, because we're going to get to it next week. I want you to think about who in that list... Do you feel weird thinking about casting out demons? Judas, right? Yeah. Because who was Judas's daddy? Right, the devil. We have no evidence that Judas was, Judas was a converted man. So if you look at Jesus' parable in verse 23, where he says, How can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. If a house is divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand, but is coming to an end. Mark just gave us an example of that. Now, here's what you think about. We have studied several different Old Testament books. Uh, and in, in some of them, we see uh, Jehovah raise up nations to accomplish his purpose for the Jewish people. And then what does he do with them after he is done? They fall. And something else rises up and it falls. And it rises up and it falls. And there is but one kingdom that will stand forever. And that is Jesus' kingdom. And what he is doing here, amongst a lot of other things, he has just listed us an example of how Satan is divided against himself. And who gave Satan, man, the authority to go do this? Jesus did. So if you don't think that Jesus can handle Satan, we're missing something in the Gospels. Because my Lord and Savior's got this covered. All right? It wasn't just he was sent out in the wilderness and he was tempted and, oh, yeah, he passed. Yeah, he's good. All right. We, we barely squeaked by. We got through. So, ooh, all right. Verse 11 in Mark chapter 3. And whenever the unclean spirits saw Jesus, they fell down before him and cried out, You are the Son of God. He is in charge at all all times. There is not one second where Jesus is not in charge. 
He created seconds, right? <laughs> so there's that. Yes. And that's a handy, uh, that's a handy phrase for a preacher to say, <clears throat> but the gospel doesn't support it. Yeah. Uh, other than what the text says, no. Yeah. Other, no, 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 no. We're going to get to that. Yeah. Other than what the text says, where they did it. Yeah. Jim, the thing that I see about that, and I've never thought of it like you said this morning, but at the end... When he was at the table at right. the Last Supper, right. they were all just like, he just said, it's this guy, and they were just, what? You know, they, so. There I was nothing visibly different about him that the apostles were suspicious of. So if I said, the traitor in this room is the person I'm going to tap on the shoulder. And then everybody in the room goes, I wonder who it is. Well, would he just need a back rub right then or something? I mean, like what? How did we? Does this make sense? And who was sovereign through it all? Jesus is sovereign through it all. And who did Jesus call? All 12. He called Judas too. That's a great question that we will not explore today. <laughs> um, don't miss the calling, but the calling doesn't mean that you are, in fact, a believer. So next week is the most tricky Greek phrase that I've come across in Mark so far. And it's in verse... 21. It is super, super difficult. Um, and I am looking forward to talking about it next week. So, with that, you have a weekly update on your table. So, it is time, since we are out of time, it is time for you to lean in and engage and pray over some prayer requests and update them if you need to so that we can pray as we should. Uh, we have a couple of folks right now right now that are members of our class that are in the hospital. So uh, Nana Gilchrist and uh, Kay Goble, they're actually uh, in adjacent rooms in the hospital, which is shocking. I found this out on Friday. Um, yeah, I went to go see Miss Kay and uh, I ran into Keith and Keith said, hey, you here to see Nana? And I was like, I am now. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> let's, let's, okay, that's fantastic. Um, and he handled that so graciously because he, you could have gotten really offended there. And he, he was just a, he was very kind to me, uh, in that moment. So let's make sure that we are specifically praying, praying this morning for, uh, Nana and Kay. Um, they have some health issues to overcome and, uh, we're going to be faithful in holding them up. So, uh, with that, uh, let's lean in, engage, pray as a table. And then when you are finished praying as a table, you are dismissed. And this morning we are going to be doing some things in the sanctuary that are very old, that are very, very old.
some things that we learned from what some of the questions that the apostles asked and some conversations that the apostles had with Jesus. And I am looking forward to that with you this morning. So thanks for coming to Sunday School. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and to our weekly email. You can do both at OurSundaySchool.com.